Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world at MichaelDukesShow.com on the interwebs and, of course, uh, live uh, here across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Tuesday edition of The Big Radio Show, and we are ready to rock and roll uh, to uh, go over with you uh, all the all the great stuff that is um, fit to print uh, here on this Tuesday. Uh, normally Tuesdays include our friend uh, Brad uh, Brad Keithley and Chris Story, um, but uh, unfortunately we're we only have Keithley today. Chris Story is traveling, and so we won't get. Uh, we won't get a chance to uh, talk with him today, but that's okay. We're going to have lots of stuff to discuss on the program this morning. And so uh, feel free to uh, dive in with us and hang out and uh, and and check it out. Check it out. It's going to be a good day. Uh, if you'd like to participate on the show today, a couple different ways you can do it in hour one. First and foremost, you can always join us in the chat room. The chat room is available at uh, on the Facebook page. This morning at Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Uh, interestingly enough, um, we got a short-term ban from YouTube, apparently for having um, apparently for having uh, David Kodria on last Friday. I mean, they really are serious about uh, they're really serious about banning him. They do they do not like the David Kodria. Uh, so, uh, I got a slap on the wrist <clears throat> and, uh, apparently they banned me for a day for talking about it. So, uh, oof, I guess there we go. Uh, we'll have to see, we'll have to see what happens, uh, moving forward. But, uh, as we go right now, we're only broadcasting on, um, uh, we're only broadcasting on Facebook and on Twitch TV, uh, for the time being. So we're going to be uh, we're going to be stuck where we are here for a short period of time. Um, anyway, uh, we're gonna. If you want to come out and join us in the chat room, that's a uh, that's a good place to be. Though is on Facebook, and we uh, we'll talk about stuff during the commercial breaks, and uh, you know we can throw discussions and comments and everything else. All right, uh, Brad Keithley though is going to be joining us here in a few minutes, and we're going to dive into it with him and talk about the weekly top three which includes this week we'll be talking uh, about the budget in the legislature, uh, the fact that we almost had a fiscal plan, and we'll also talk about the CONCON, the Constitutional Convention, which, of course, will also be on the ballot this year as an option for discussion amongst Alaskans. So we'll uh, have all those uh, topics 
to dive down into with Brad Keithley here in just a few minutes. And we'll uh, we'll see where we go from uh, there as well. Um, all right. Uh, so headlines, headlines, who's got your headlines? That would be me. We're going to start off with our headlines this morning. And we're going to talk about the congressional race. Why not? Why not? Oh, I will I will note this little tidbit, in fact, uh, here this morning. I thought this was interesting. The AP, the Associated Press, um, has a, a daily roundup of headlines from around the state of Alaska that, uh, you know, we use in radio to create little news bites and things like that. Interestingly enough, the AP has a story out today talking about how the legislature is not on track to finish work within their 90-day session limit. Let me read this to you here before I lay my commentary on it out. The Alaska legislature is not on track to finish its work within a voter-approved session limit of 90 days. The 90-day mark will be reached on Sunday. The voter-approved limit took effect in 2008, but lawmakers face no penalty for failing to meet the deadline and can continue working beyond it. The state constitution permits regular sessions up to 121 days with an option to extend another 10 days. Statistics from the Legislative Affairs Agency shows lawmakers last finished within the 90-day limit in 2013. The State House recently passed its version of the state operating budget, which the Senate still must consider. So, that this is the story. You know what I find interesting about this story? They pulled the statistics from the Legislative Affairs Agency, showing that lawmakers last finished within the 90-day limit in 2013. The one statistic that they didn't pull out was that how many times have we actually followed the 90-day limit since 2008? And that number would be two. In two years since 2008, what is that, 14 years now? In 14 years, the legislature has finished twice within the voter-mandated 90-day limit. Again, picking and choosing the laws that they choose to uh, follow and those that they don't. Because that's what it was. It was a 90-day limit. Now, just imagine, just imagine if you would, for just a moment, that the legislature decided to ignore the law. Oh, I don't know. Let's say for ballot measure number two. You know, the voter change for the jungle primary and for the, uh, and for the, let's just say that they just ignored that. I wonder what the reaction would have been from those on the left, especially. What would the reaction have been if they had decided not to, uh, if they decided not to follow ballot measure number one, the new, uh, the new oil and gas statement? You know, just think of all these ballot measures that have been enacted by the people over the course of years, and the legislature just arbitrarily decides, meh, you know what, we're just not interested in doing that. The 90-day limit since 2008, twice the legislature has finished their work within that 90-day limit set out by the voters— in 2008. 
I, I just want you to, I just want that to, I just want you to let that sink in for a minute. Just let that sink in exactly how they, uh, how they, how they work on that. How does that feel? I mean, you gave your elected officials a mandate. You gave your elected officials a, 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 you handed down a rule. As a people, this is a government by the people and for the people. And the people of the state spoke. And the legislature gave you the finger. I mean, I mean, yep. The legislature gave you the finger. So, I mean, how do, how do you how do you feel about that? I mean, are you as agitated? I mean, here's the thing. I carried a petition book. I was I was part of the ones that got this on the ballot and then voted for it. I was uh, I was all in favor of this. So, how does it feel to know that your your legislature, your elected officials, have been running around doing whatever the hell they want? And giving you the finger at least since 2008. Are you convinced yet that voting harder is going to fix this situation? I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. Just asking for a friend. All right. The, uh, of course, the big, uh, the big race that's coming up in June has got everybody's attention. Ironically, I found it interesting that the uh, ADN has now run a full-page story, I mean a full story, on Santa Claus uh, with a few other people sprinkled in there. They talked a little bit about Peltola and a little bit about Chris Constant, but the majority of this news article is about Santa Claus. Like, that guy needs more name recognition at all. I mean... <laughs> Really? I mean, they go into like the full deal. He talks about how he's only going to spend $400 on his campaign. He's already spent 250 of it, 100 for filing this, you know, the state filing fee and 150 towards his website. And that's it. Uh, and, you know, and as a democratic socialist, he's, you know, he wants to bring light to a lot of these issues. Uh, but this full page, I wonder if they're, are they going to do a full page uh, story? On all 48, all 47 now other candidates? I'm just, I'm asking. I'm asking if that, because you know with the ranked choice voting and the jungle primary and all, all that is based on name recognition, right? You know that that's how that's going to work. And that's really been the difficult part of this whole thing with uh, the polling and everything. Because uh, they've been very concerned. I mean, how do you rattle off 48 names when you're doing a poll? Well, Somebody fixed this. Uh, the national polling firm Remington Research Strategies conducted a poll for Must Read Alaska, and they narrowed it down to the, what did they say, of several possible candidates in the election, uh, who, do, who would you vote for? And uh, they, they didn't name off all 48 candidates. They apparently just reeled off the top few. Uh, only those considered most viable for the general election were included in the poll, they said. But this is what the breakdown is right now. 31% of the votes go to Sarah Palin, 26% to Al Gross, 21% to Nick Beggage, 7% to Chris Constance, 3% to Josh Revac, 2% to Sarah Tara Sweeney, and another candidate not listed in the poll, 4%, and undecided 6%. So 
there you go. The top three, Palin, Gross, and Baggage for sure. Uh, now, Santa Claus was not included in this poll. I don't know if it's because they didn't include him in the named members or if he just doesn't pull any sway. Although, again, this is always about name recognition, right? And who's got more name recognition than Santa Claus? Just, just asking. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, we're going to dive into things here with Brad Keithley in just a second. So uh, let's get to that, shall we? Thank you, my friends. Thanks for coming out and joining us again. Open on Facebook today, closed on YouTube. But uh, you can always come out and join us on Facebook and hang out with us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley is our guest up next. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. Uh, We're going to get ready to jump in with Brad Keithley here in just a second. Had coffee with Josh and Stedman at the landing in Ketchikan the other day. Stedman raised a brow when I played your YouTube show, Mike. Well, good. Maybe, uh, I mean, I doubt he's ever heard of me. He probably has no idea who I am, which is fine. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. But, uh, yeah, I mean, great. He raised an eyebrow. Did he Did he make any other comment aside from that? I'm just, I'm just curious. What, did you just play him the theme song and then he raised his eyebrow? Uh, it's just a bunch of BS. You know, I mean, is that is that what it was all about at that point? That was just BS. I mean, I don't know. Was that? It's just Bert Stedman. What do you want? Um. Okay. Um. Well, I suppose we should. Uh, I suppose we should get this thing uh, ready to rock and roll with Brad Keithley, shall we? Just to make sure we got it all squared away here. Uh, come on, just launch it for God's sake, launch it. It takes a while for this stuff to... There we go. All right. Open. Boom. Okay. Uh, Brad Keithley is going to be joining us here in just a hot second. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I got the notification yesterday from uh, YouTube that they definitely did not like something that we said on Friday. Even though we really didn't talk about the election, um, we talked about in passing that uh, that uh, Codria had commented on or about John Lott's, you know, peer review, you know, peer review report. And that's what was talked about. And that was enough to get me spanked on YouTube. They did not. Uh, they that did not. They did not like me. Let's just put it that way. They were not. a. They said, no. And it was one strike. And if I get another strike, they shut me down for, I think, a month. And then um, if uh, if I get a third strike, then they pull the whole channel down, something like that. So who knows? But uh, there we go. All right. Uh, looks like we got Brad Keithley on board. Are you with us, sir? I am, Michael, and I'm over on Twitch today. I thought I'd try you out on Twitch. Try you try me on Twitch just to see. How does it look? Does it look okay? 
looks great. And, um, you know, since, since YouTube and Facebook are up and down these days, Twitch seems to be constant. Yeah, no, I don't know what's going on. Uh, like I said, I, I mean, I didn't even really make any comment on the elections, but because Kodria brought up the fact that he had commented on John Lott's peer-reviewed publication about election mismanagement, that apparently was enough to to spark some, I don't know, analytical AI or some kind of gatekeeper program at YouTube. And they uh, and of course, even where it says you can dispute this, you I click it and it gives me the 404 broken monkey link and it says, sorry, <laughs> you you can't do anything. So um, anyway, it's you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I guess I just got to find yet another platform to work from. So we'll figure something out here. Uh, I, I, Twitch, Twitch is you, you're coming through in shining color in Twitch and uh, and the sounds good. So maybe that's maybe that's the place to go. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, Twitch has got some good stuff out there as well. Um, all right, well, we're about ninety seconds out, Brad. So hold the line to me here or, or for me here, and I'll be right back to you in just a hot second. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be back with Brad Keithley in a moment. Um, murky engrossing the Alaska Senate House. Might as well kiss Alaska goodbye. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, again, that was the ranked choice, folks. Remember, that was the ranked choice that we were talking about. What the hell is Twitch? Twitch is a platform. It's a video platform like YouTube, uh, only mostly for gamers and creators. Uh, but I, you know, there you go. All you got to do is go over there and check it out. Twitch.tv slash Michael Duke Show. Um, Okay, 30 seconds, I guess. I guess that was it. I was just looking forward here. I was going to scroll backwards, see if there was anything else that we needed there. Ranked choice voting, blah, 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 blah. Uh, not surprising. They haven't been able to do it for years. Dan Bongino was kicked off YouTube, with says Donna. So apparently I'm in good company. That's all That's all we can get. Uh, it's very much for gamers, but it's great for any type of streaming, says Jerrica. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Twitch is good for all that. All right, my friends. Well, we're going to jump into it with Brad Keithley. We're 15 seconds out. Do me a favor, like and share this video on YouTube and like and follow the show page. And I think you can follow on Twitch as well. Brad will have to tell me, but I think you can follow on Twitch as well. Let's get back to it. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And uh, we're about to dive into it with him and uh, talk with him about the weekly top three, which, of course, are the top three stories that he thinks are important in the world. Let's get started, shall we? Uh, He joins us this morning, and uh, we're going to dive into it. Uh, We're going to dive into it right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this uh, day and age? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, no complaints, no complaints. It's a Tuesday and uh, I'm not home asleep. So I guess that's my biggest complaint for today already. Um, but let's dive into the weekly top three. I think the, you know, it's interesting time. Uh, I was just commenting on the fact that, you know, we haven't hit the 90 day session, but twice in almost 15 years. And yet here we are, you know, doing our doing our thing here. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the budget. We just got the uh, we just got the one half of the budget done um, from the House this weekend. Seven point seven 
billion dollars. Um, which, uh, well, I, I don't even know where to begin. I'll let you take the wheel there. Well, that's a little misleading number um, because James, when he does that number, James Brooks uh, at the ADN, soon to be with uh, State News or something, he's moving. He's moving his uh, his platform to, a, or he's moving his uh, uh, byline to another platform. Uh, when James does that, he throws in the kitchen sink. He throws in what essentially is FY twenty four, but uh, the FY twenty four budgeting uh, with the forward funding of uh, K through twelve. And he throws in the permanent fund uh, dividend uh, as well uh, as, uh, as as the legislature sometimes does with the UGF uh, money. Once you once you take those two out, uh, it's still a healthy number, but it's not. It doesn't have a seven in front of it. Uh, once you take those out, the budget as it came out of House Finance was five point oh six billion, um, and as it's leaving the House floor and heading toward the Senate. Uh, it's down to about 4.95 billion. Now I've got in that a placeholder of about 160 million, uh, the governor's original proposal uh, for the capital budget. So if you take the capital budget out, it's about uh, 4.83 billion or so. So once you, once you once you reduce once you take out the FY24 funding, which is the K through 12 forward funding, and you take out the PFD, uh, you get a you get a number that's much more in line with uh, much more in line with with, with where we have been in recent years. I, I, there's a couple of things. One, the, the number that came out of the House was smaller than the number that came out of House Finance House Finance by about $100 million. That was primarily because they, they, they voted out or, or took out uh, some forward funding that they had put in uh, at Sarah Rasmussen's request in House Finance for oil and gas tax credits. They took out the forward funding of the oil and gas tax credits. So that reduced it by about 120 million and then plus or minus uh, other changes they made that it's down about 100 million from from coming out of house finance. The other thing that James doesn't talk about but that but that we need to keep our eye on is what's going on in the supplemental budget, the FY22 supplemental budget and they've still got uh, about 270 million or so uh, plugged over there coming out of the house. So it's um it's it's a healthy number, but it's not it's not the seven billion that, that people think about. Over in the um, or the James uh, the ADN headlines would would lead you to. Over in the Senate, the Senate has come up with their capital budget, uh, the initial capital budget they talked about yesterday, and I was surprised, um, somewhat pleasantly surprised. Uh, the Senate uh, finance initial capital budget is less uh, than what the governor asked for. Um, and it's uh, uh, down to about $190 million UGF. It's bigger once you throw in DGF and certainly bigger once you throw in the federal funds. But from a UGF standpoint, it's down to about $190 uh, million. The governor had asked for uh, uh, something over uh, $200 million. So it's um, uh, from a spending standpoint, uh, the, the legislature is high. Uh, it's higher than it was last year before you take into account the supplemental. Uh, but it's not, it's not, they, they're not blown through the, they're, they're not blowing out the, the ceiling in terms, of, in terms of spending. The problem to me, the problem is on the revenue side. Uh, about a billion of the, uh, of the 5 billion plus or minus that, uh, that's coming out of the house uh, is from PFD cuts. So about 20% of the budget 
is being financed from by Alaska families, and it's being financed with the most regressive approach um, you possibly can have. The Senate hasn't acted. I, I see you've got the chart up on the on the far right. That's the Senate Finance Committee uh, 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 process so far. They haven't acted on the PFD, so right now they have no PFD uh, in the in the Senate bill. But on the House side, uh, about a billion dollars of that $5 billion spend um, is coming uh, on the backs of Alaska families and it's coming through PFD cuts, uh, the most regressive approach they can, they can have. So the, 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 problem, the problem with the budget is spending, uh, but it's not as bad as, as, as I think some, uh, some uh, portray it to be. Uh, the problem is, is what they're doing on the revenue side and the fact that they continue to finance a huge amount of the budget, 20% of the budget um, uh, through PFD cuts. And I think that's, that's, where the, that's where the attention really, my attention is, is as we go through this process. And I think that's where the attention of, uh, of Alaska families ought to be as well. You know, and I know that you say we're not, <clears throat> you're not including the forward funding and some other things, you know, and that, that this, the number that James Brooks quotes of $7.7 billion dollars. But essentially, they are encumbering that money, right? I mean, they're encumbering the money. That's money that could go towards paying a full PFD, or it could go to a constitutional budget reserve, or it could go. I mean, there's a lot of things that could be done with it. So even though it's not technically part of that $5.05 billion, it is still encumbered and it's moving forward and the money essentially is being spoken for. So shouldn't we be including it? Or what What say you? Well, it's FY24 money. I mean... Sure. So what they're really doing is they're designating they're designating savings uh, for FY24. They could use it when we get to FY24. Uh, they could use it for a different purpose. I mean, the fact that the fact that this legislature has appropriated it for K through 12 uh, in FY24, the next legislature could could reappropriate it for uh, for another purpose. It's just it's a it's a way of stuffing savings of stuffing money into savings. Now it's not a very it's not a very useful way because it doesn't earn a whole lot of, it's not in the permanent fund. So it's not, it's not earning the returns that the permanent fund does. It's not even in the CBR. So it's not earning the returns that the, uh, that the CBR does. Uh, it's just sort of going to set off there to the side. It'll earn, they'll have it in, uh, in money accounts. Tre Treasury will put it in money accounts and it'll earn a little bit, but it's not, I don't, yes, they are encumbering it. Yes, they could use it for other things this year, uh, but it's not, it's it's not adding to spending this year. It is part of the much more part of the FY twenty four budget uh, than it is the uh, the FY twenty three budget. Now, as you look at both of these budgets, of course, the House's budget, which is finished, and the Senate, which is now currently working on their budget, um, you know, give us a feeling. I mean, what do you see? Where do you see the, these things meeting in the middle? Uh, you know, what's going to have to be conferenced out? What's going to have to be put in? What, what what do you see between these two budgets as they look at this moment? Well, right now, uh, the House is at 4.95. Uh, the Senate is, at, again, including a placeholder for capital spending. The Senate, including their capital, their initial capital bill, uh, and the operating bills, the Senate has passed its, oper or the Senate Finance has the operating bills that the Senate subcommittees passed as well. So this is about 4.86. So it looks, at, looks like we're around 4.9 uh, in terms of UGF spending, FY23. Uh, UGF spending, and that's up. I mean, well, it, it's it's up before you count in uh, before you count in the uh, the supplemental. Last year's uh, UGF budget spending budget 
was about four point, let's see, 4.77, 4.75, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, 4.65, uh, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, uh, it, so we're up from last year's budget by a couple hundred million dollars, $300 million. Um, but, but last year's budget is now getting distorted by the supplemental that they're, that they're backing into the FY22 budget. It's higher than it needs to be. I mean, we, I think, I think all, everybody, certainly on this uh, program and, and, and a lot of analysts agree that it's higher than it, uh, than it needs to be. But it's not, here's, you know, the concern going into this legislature with all of the money that was coming in from, from, uh, from oil prices was that we were going to have another blowout. And we may yet have a blowout. I mean, we haven't seen what the Senate's going to finally do with the capital budget or what the House is going to do with the capital budget when it, go, when it goes back over there. But I think the concern was we were going to have a blowout. And, and we're not. Uh, we're, we're, having, we're having, you know, creep in terms of, of increased spending here, there, and in and, and, and a couple of other places. Uh, but we're not having a blowout. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're talking about the weekly top three. Um, the PFD, as you mentioned, not listed yet in that chart I was just showing a minute ago from you um, for the Senate side. And, of course, we already kind of know where this is potentially going because we've seen the uh, we've seen the philosophy of the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, any, you know, any guesses? Do they try and match what the House is doing? Do they try and come in lower? Do they... Do they come in higher? I mean, what what are your thoughts? I don't uh, I don't think they'll come in lower. Um, there's a question about whether or not they adopt this energy relief uh, theory or 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 classification for half of uh, what essentially is half of the PFD that they're that the House is proposing to pay out. Uh, I think the Senate debate in Senate finance is going to be interesting whether they try to come up with a bill. Uh, a fiscal plan bill or a, or a PFD bill uh, that uh, that supports whatever PFD approach they take. I mean, Senate Bill, what is it, 299 that they that they debated again, uh, incorporates the 2575 approach. One, uh, yeah, and, 199. And the interesting thing over on the Senate side is whether they're going to try to cram that through uh, to match what the House, uh, what House Ways and Means at least has, has pushed up uh, to House Finance. Now, that's sort of that's sort of a, a, a useless effort because I assume if a bill passes, even if a bill passes that's uh, that's POMB twenty five seventy five, the governor will veto it. So it's so it's sort of a, a useless effort. Uh, but it'll it'll be interesting to see if uh, this is Natasha's final session. This is Natana, Natasha's final, uh, at least this go round, her final uh, uh, push at uh, at Senate Finance. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, Bert may not be in control next legislature. So it may be Bert's last, uh, last hurrah as, uh, as chair. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they try to push this bill out, notwithstanding the fact that governor will likely veto it. If they try to push this bill out as right. sort of their quote, final solution to, uh, uh, to, uh, to the PFD, that that's, that's going to be one interesting thing that goes on the other. Uh, that I'm that I'm going to watch for uh, as the Senate goes through the the process this week and probably on the Senate floor next week is whether the capital budget in fact blows out and whether they can keep themselves restrained uh, in terms of uh, in terms of capital budget items as uh, as they as they go through the process. One final question: uh, the uh, uh, the stipulatory uh, of nature of some of the stuff in the House, you know, the contingency language. Uh, where they say we must increase the base student allocation 
or if the I think it was either or or the 1.2 billion doesn't get forward funded, they also left a 57 million dollar increase uh, to base it on other pieces. This kind of again the stipulatory stuff. What are your thoughts on on that? Because this is again hints of uh, of Bert Stedman's maneuvers in the past where of getting something was contingent on voting something else. Yeah, I mean, you always hate to see that uh, because you just want you just want a pure bill. You just want to you know give us the numbers. Don't don't try to don't try to try to game it. But there's nothing huge. I don't think there's anything huge uh, that's uh, that's tied to all that uh, right now. Uh, the BSA, I, the House Finance, uh, presumably is going to take up a bill that's been kicking around the House that would increase. Uh, the BSA permanently uh, in statute. We've talked about that on a prior show, uh, along with a bill that's kicking around that presumably will come to House Finance uh, that would uh, go back to a defined uh, defined benefit plan, uh, at least for certain state employees. So, I mean, they're they're trying to they're trying to make these uh, these permanent changes. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they make it through the House and if they make those through the Senate and what the governor does about it. But I, there's nothing. There's nothing huge in in what they've done in the in the in the budget bills right now uh, that uh, that is a concerns me a, a, a lot. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. That's number one. We're about to jump into a number two, but we have to take a quick break. Number two is going to be: Did we almost just have a fiscal plan? Question mark. That's going to be our next discussion with Brad Keithley, right here. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is The Michael Duke Show. Back with more right after this. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. What do you think, Brad, about the the forward funding? Do you think that's something that the governor is going to... uh, to veto? Do you think that he'll veto some of that? I mean, being an, a former educator and all that? Well, it's a it's an election consideration. Um, it really depends on what his pollsters tell him how how well how well a veto would play or whether that stirs up the whole recall thing again. And while it wouldn't lead to a recall this close to the election, it would it would lead to a, a pushback. Um, forward funding to me is um it, it's not it's not the, the greatest way to do things. I mean, it's an appeal to a constituency, right? What the House is doing is saying, you know, we value education and we want to show you how much we value education by sticking this money uh, into uh, into essentially designated saving, savings for uh, K through 12 uh, next year. It doesn't guarantee it. As I say, the next legislature can use that money for something else, just like they you know divert the PFD. Uh, to uh, to support something else in government, they can divert the uh, they can divert that forward funding to something else in government. Uh, it's it's more a political messaging tool, um, and it's a way it it it, it doesn't it, it takes money out of the hands of the current legislature in a way, but it just sort of sticks it uh, sticks it into savings. So it doesn't doesn't hugely bother me. Now, you know I. It could be used. That money could have been used to to, to pay the PFD um, and let next year fund itself. Let FY twenty four fund itself and find the find money for the for K through twelve uh, next year uh, rather than you know forward fund it this year and take the money out of the PFD to uh, to help contribute toward that. So it's bothersome in that respect. But in terms of in terms of you know 
using this form of designated savings as opposed to just putting it in the CBR or letting it go to the CBR or putting it in the SBR uh, or, uh, or something else. It's just savings. I mean, it, and, and, and it's sitting there for the next, for the next legislature. Does the governor veto it? I don't know. I, it, as I say, it depends upon what his pollster tells him to do. And of course, it's a good thing we don't have any dedicated funds in this state. That's all I'm saying <laughs> right now. I mean, it's a good thing that the that the Constitution prohibits that kind of stuff because otherwise, you know, we could have a real mess on our hands. Uh, Donna says, "Never mind, forward funding is unconstitutional." Well, you know, the problem is, of course, is that the uh, the current court system has decided no, the legislature can do pretty much whatever the hell they want uh, at this point, well, or, or the law decides not, what the law decides, kind of thing. What the Constitution says, you can't dedicate funds, right? Right, exactly. Uh, and 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 what they're doing is they're designating funds, which in Alaska is a difference. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, you know, <laughs> no, wait you a second. The, you did you just say that? that did you just say that with a straight face? Did you just say that, that, I mean, the difference between dedicated and designated. And I mean, I understand what you're saying, Brad, but really, can we say that with a straight face? The constitution prohibits dedicating funds. So instead we just designated it. Um, and I think the, I was a, f- a few weeks back that I actually pulled the definitions of both words up and they are almost interchangeable. So, I mean, at some point, do you just, I mean, how can you, how can we say that with a straight face? Constitution does not allow dedicated funds, but we can designate the hell out of them. Well, it, it depends on what the, it depends on whether the next legislature can change it. I mean, that's, that's sort of the difference. If it's a dedicated fund, like the, like the permanent fund, uh, the next legislature, any subsequent legislature can't change the, can't change the, the funding. Uh, if it's designated funds, the next legislature can change it. So that's, yeah, that you won't find that you won't find that in the dictionary for sure, but that's uh that's that's the practical difference between the two. All right, um, we're uh, just a minute or so out here, minute and a half out from uh, rejoining the radio. The next one is going to be the question of: Did we almost just have a fiscal plan? I mean, question mark. And this, of course, is something that's raised a lot of angst in the last few days. Is this discussion of um, <clears throat> of intent language? And uh, you're going to get down into this, and I've got some of the I've got some of the quotes and the handwritten stuff and everything else. But uh, give us a little quick tease here, Brad, going into this. Well, there was a there was a point uh, during the, the House, House the floor debate uh, on the bill where um, there was a majority voting in favor of POMV fifty fifty uh, with uh, some language, some intent language around it, uh, and it had Garen Tarr and Ben Carpenter. Uh, voting together uh, in support uh, of a bill. And I I find that, or in support of this amendment, and I find that interesting. It ultimately didn't come to anything, uh, but I find find that whole process interesting. Uh, And I think it's useful to to talk about it some so people are aware of what went on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Because I think, and then uh, later on, there was more discussion on intent language, and then it all got quashed, and then there was a big circle the wagons moment where all the Republicans started shooting at each other. And it was, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it was politics, I guess, is, uh, is the best way we could say that. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. If you would do me a flavor, please like and share this video. Just like and share. Let's get more people involved, more new names in the chat room, more people giving us their thoughts on it, good or bad, you know, whatever it is. And like and follow the show page to make sure you get notifications every morning when we go live. Let's jump into it. Here we go. Common sense, common sense, liberty pace, free thinking radio. Let me match the button the third time. 
Okay, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. It's the weekly top three. We finished up with number one. Number two from this last week was the question, geez, did we almost have a fiscal plan there at one point or not? Brad, tell me what you're, uh, what you're talking about here with that question. So during the debate uh, on the House floor of the, of the House uh, of, the, of the budget bill, uh, Delana Johnson proposed amendment number four. And amendment number four was to adopt the governor's uh, POMV 50-50 uh, approach, split the uh, uh, POMV draw 50% between the PFD and 50, uh, 50% to government. Um, and it was, you know, it, it, it seemed when it started out to be just another one of those attempts to get the PFD uh, higher. Um, and then during the course of the debate, there was an amendment, a proposed amendment to, the, uh, to that proposal, to POMV 5050. And remember, POMV 5050 was part of the uh, uh, principles that the uh, Fiscal Policy Working Group uh, came up with. So during the during the course of the debate, there was an amendment, amendment number one to, uh, to which I have number which, four, which I have up the on this, which I have up on the screen right now for folks who are looking there. And it was proposed. Now this is this is the interesting part. It was proposed by Garen Tarr, Ben Carpenter, Liz Snyder, and Kevin McCabe. Uh, two from the left, uh, two from the right. Uh, Propose this language, and the language is as you got up on the screen is the intent of the legislature that the 50-50 proposal for the dividend be part of the full fiscal plan that includes a spending cap, 300 to 500 million in new revenue and continued work on budget reductions. And so basically what this proposal was to take the rest of the fiscal policy working group proposal, attach it as, um, uh, attach it as, as this legislative intent to the POMV 50-50 approach uh, and uh, and put that on the floor uh, as an amendment. The debate uh, on on this proposal, uh, essentially to incorporate the working group, uh, the work of the working group, the debate was interesting. I mean, you had uh, Republicans, some Republicans supporting it, conservative Republicans supporting it. You had some uh, uh, liberal progressive uh, Democrats uh, supporting it, and then you sort of teased out uh, uh, those who uh, those who you know, sort of suddenly were concerned about what was going on. Steve Thompson said, wait a second, we're talking about revenues. What kind of revenues are we talking about? Are we talking about taxes? David Eastman uh, got up uh, in essentially in opposition to it saying, wait a second, we're talking about revenues. What kind of revenues are we talking about? If we're talking about oil revenues from additional production, that's great. Um, Adam Wool got up and said, yeah, yeah, that came from the fiscal policy working group, but that was just only eight people. Another eight people would have come up with a different proposal. Uh, I don't like this one, said Adam, uh, and so I'm going to vote. Uh, I'm going to vote against it. Ultimately, the vote on this uh, on this amendment uh, was. Let's see if I got this here. The vote on this amendment was 22 uh, in favor and 17 against. So. It, the, 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 the body as a whole adopted this amendment, incorporating the rest of the fiscal policy working group uh, uh, into, the, uh, into amendment number four. Uh, and, that, and you can see that that vote is odd too. You've got right. all the way from Ben Carpenter to, uh, to Kathy Tilton, uh, to Garen Tarr, to Stutes, to Sponholtz, to Chris Tuck, to Sarah Van... Sarah Vance, it's a, it's a very eclectic 
uh, uh, 22, but voting for essentially voting for the, the working group's fiscal policy plan. And then you've got, you've got a, a, an equally strange vote against it. You've got uh, uh, Ron Gillum um, <laughs> voting against uh, the fiscal policy working group. You got Calvin Schrage, who was on the fiscal policy working group. And remember, the fiscal policy working group came up with a unanimous recommendation. You got Schrage voting against it. Uh, you've got uh, Adam Wool voting against it. You've got uh, Delana Johnson. <laughs> Voting, voting against it. You got Andy Josephson voting against it. You got Chris Kirkin voting against it. So it's, it's just a very, it's an interesting split. And, and I'm going to go back to this and really sort of under, try to understand what the motivations of all these people were. But you had them adopting the uh, the fiscal policy working group. And I'll, now, I'll, I'll make a note that this is really one of the, in fact, Josephson mentions it about the fiscal policy. This is really the only time this has come up as any kind of substantive discussion since the fiscal policy working group put out their unanimous recommendation, remember a group of eight people plus four alternates that came up with a unanimous decision. And these people are the most politically diverse, most far left, most far right people came all together and said unanimously, this is what we think will do it. You have to do it holistically. You have to look at it all. And then they get riddled full of holes when it comes down to it. This is the only time it's been discussed. Yeah. And, and, and it got, now, a lot now, these people were voting, I mean, sort of tell Sarah Rasmussen's part of the majority, these people were voting knowing that it was likely ultimately going to be defeated, uh, that the amendment as a whole, even once this got attached, even with this attached, the amendment as a whole was likely going to be defeated. So you've got, you've got some political motivations going on in these votes. Uh, but these people voted uh, in support of essentially uh, signaling that they were in support of the fiscal policy working group uh, proposal. And I and I think that's something. I think that's something to work with. Unfortunately, this legislature. You know, we're going to have an election. This legislature is not going to be there next year. And some of these people aren't going to be there next year. Um, uh, Jonathan Christ Tompkins, for example, who was co-chair of the fiscal policy working group, has announced he's not running again. So we're going to start over with a new group next year. But but this was this was a moment that I think was was useful in saying, you know, if we ever could get together, this looked like something that that would that would get us together. Um, so it was it was useful. Now, ultimately, uh, this is this was intent language attached to a hard amendment that would go to POMB 5050. As Ben Carpenter explained it, he said, let's get POMB 5050 done. And then this intent language really means that we're, that we're going to talk about these other things. And faced with the decision of a hard POMB 5050 with a very, very soft uh, intent language, uh, amendment number four, uh, to which this got attached, eventually went down, uh, and it went down 16 to 23, um, with uh, with with a lot of flipped votes going on in the 16. So, for example, POMB this amendment POMB 5050 with the intent language attached, David Eastman voted for it. Ron Gillum voted for it. after having voted against the intent language. Right they now, vote for the amendment with the intent language attached. But right so. So, so, the, so the votes, the, the, the final vote was to, was to defeat it. But there, there was a moment there on the floor that I think we really had, as you say, it's the only time we've really discussed the fiscal, the, the, whole, legis, the whole House has discussed the fiscal policy working group uh, uh, production. And I take some heart in the fact that that amendment to incorporate uh, fiscal policy working group uh, was successful. All right. Well, we may have slipped by it, and and maybe we'll come back to that. I guess we'll have to see what comes out of the Senate on this. 
But let's move on quickly to number three here. we got about four and a half minutes, uh, and we're talking about the Constitutional Convention. And the opponents of this are out in force uh, because I think they see the potential to have all their work, quote-unquote, undermined that they've been doing all these years. And so they're coming out, and you say that they are leading with their chin. Explain that to us. <laughs> well, so here's here's the I, – I, 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 right now, I oppose the Constitutional Convention. I think it creates too many risks. But but here's the thing that's just really odd to me about it. One of the arguments for against the Constitutional Convention is that the Constitution is – um, uh, is is a document that sets up a a a a, 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 pull, a fully uh, 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 protective government, uh, a government that functions, a government that works. Uh, one of the quotes in the uh, in the Juno Empire's coverage of the Constitutional Convention it says, "Other state constitutions have been extremely prescriptive." Uh, uh, Gordon Harrison said. Gordon Harrison's the author of Alaska's Constitution and Citizen Guide. Uh, Harrison said, in some instances, setting salaries for low-level government officials. According to Harrison, Alaska's constitution created a strong legislative branch that met annually and could address the needs of the state through law. Well, the problem with the, the, the thing that's motivating a lot of people uh, with, the, with the constitution is, or the constitutional convention is that the legislature stopped following its own laws. I mean, you were talking about the 90-day session earlier. We can talk about the PFD statute. The, the legislature essentially with laws that govern it have become lawless has become lawless. Right. And a lot of people are, a lot of people are pushing for a constitutional convention because of that. Those defending the the, the defenders, of the constitution, look at the lead It's Kathy Giesel. It's John Coghill. Uh, it's Bryce Edgman, people who are people who are leading the lawlessness of the constitution. So every time they write an article with that byline and saying, Kathy Giesel's co-chair, John Coghill's co-chair, Bryce Edgman's co-chair, they're reminding people how lawless the legislature is because they're the ones that engage, have engaged in the lawlessness. So to me, that's just leading with your chin. Every time I read, I read one of those, read one of those commentaries from them, I'm reminded, God, this is why this <laughs> right. is why we're having a constitution, why we need a constitution because right. well, we've got a lawless legislature. If people don't even understand an issue, all they have to do is look at people that support one issue or another issue on either side. And when you see John Coghill and Kathy Giesel and Luke Hopkins and Bryce Edgman and Bruce Patello. And you, when you see those names, you realize, well, those are people I all philosophically oppose. So, of course, I need to stand in exact opposition of whatever they're proposing. What they need. One minute. I, I mean, they're not going to take advice from me. From, but what they need is somebody who's pro-PFD in that list. And they, they probably can't get them. But somebody who's pro-PFD in that list, so at least they look like. They are they are bipartisan in that sense about about lawless issues, uh, but right now it looks like it's just all the lawless people who have signed who have signed up on one side and say, "Hey, we want to continue the lawlessness." So right. don't don't vote to change the constitution that would take away our ability to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thanks for coming on and joining us, folks. We are out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Brad, I'll give you uh, I'll give you the final bite at this because yeah, man. I mean, seriously. Uh, at some point, all you have to do is look at the people who are standing against you and decide on an issue, even if you don't know the details of it. That's enough for most people to look at and go, nope. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, I the Constitution is as I say. I, I look at the Constitutional Convention as a as a as a big risk, and I don't think we've even seen the big shoe 
yet to drop. If the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, overturns Roe versus Wade uh, this summer and sends the issue back to this back to the states, I think the big force in the Constitutional Convention is going to be the right to life movement getting in there and saying we need to undo the the, the right to privacy provision. Uh, in the Alaska Constitution, so that we can implement restrictions on uh, uh, restrictions on uh, on abortion, and I and I think that's going to be the by the time we get to next fall, I think that's going to be the big driver uh, in uh, in a constitutional convention. And frankly, I think we may see John Coghill drop off as a drop off as a as a as a proponent of keeping the Constitution the way it is because of that. But it's but it just it right now it's just it's just bizarre. I mean. The, the legislature is lawless. The reason people want a constitutional convention is because the legislature is lawless. And, and it's like, you know, people are, these people are saying, oh no, we need to keep, we need to keep the constitution. And they're just sort of, when they write these articles and they use those people as, uh, they use Coghill and, and Giesel and Edgman as the lead, it's sort of like they're just rubbing it in your face, right? They're rubbing in the face. Hey, we've been lawless. We want to stay, we want to, we want to remain lawless. Uh, and uh, and uh, and so we're going to uh, uh, we we want you to to continue to support the Constitution as it is because it lets us be lawless. Right, right. Well, maybe next week we should pick up and talk about the con con because I got to be honest, I have a lot of the same reservations that you have. Uh, I always have. Anytime you open up a Constitution, you know you can. You, there's a lot of things you could fix for sure, but there's a lot of messes that could be made in there as well. But I'm starting to come to the conclusion, you know, in my balancing scales of should we or shouldn't we. I'm starting to come to the conclusion that the lawlessness is so prevalent in the legislature that it may be the only solution to be able, the only way to fix it, as we as we see this. We, you know, I'm I'm really I'm really torn on this, uh, and so maybe we should spend some time on that next week and and talk about your concerns and my concerns, but at the same time, looking at it as if it might be the only solution based on what you're just saying on all this lawlessness. Yeah, it, it's certainly. I mean, certainly the best argument for, to me for the for for CONCON is the lawlessness of the legislature, not just the PFD, but the 90 day session and everything else they ignore. Uh, that's certainly the best argument for it. I, I think there are countervailing arguments that outweigh that, but that's certainly the best argument. And, and I look forward to discussing it with you. All right. Well, let's pick that up next week. Anything else you're watching this week for folks before we got about two minutes here before we uh run the clock back out to hour two. So any, uh, any, anything else you're going to be watching this week or that we should be looking for in your mind as we watch what's going on in the Senate? Well, on the Senate side, it's certainly going to be what's going on in the Senate finance, uh, both from the standpoint of how they deal with the budget. Is there, will they blow it out? Will somebody just start adding money and money and money? Uh, and then on the Senate side, how they deal with the PFD issue. Are they going to try to push uh, Senate bill 299 or, uh, are they going to just sort of muddle through it uh, like they have before? On the House side, what I'm watching is these bills. <coughs> excuse me. Now that they've got the budget out, I'm watching these bills on defined benefit program uh, and on uh, permanent BSA increases, and uh, and watch those uh, as they're coming up. Those are bills I also think the governor would veto if they came to him. Uh, but again, this is all politically me political messaging now. I think they some are going to try to push those push those through the house. So I'm going to be watching those. Well, I got to say that <clears throat> I'm a little, uh, I'm a little one, I'm a little worried as to what the governor may or may not veto. As you said, there's a lot of political ramifications, uh, whether it's the 1.2 billion in forward funding for education or some of these other things. 
Uh, I'm wondering just how much his handlers are squeezing him to vote one way or the other. There's a lot of stuff that I would like to see the red pen taken to, um, and I just have a feeling that it's not going to be I, – I guess it's, I guess I'm just going to say we're not going to see as many red lines as I think that we should – in the uh, in the upcoming budget, uh, because of the political nature of this at this point. Yeah, well, it'd be good if those bills don't make it to him. I mean, the bills that that would permanently increase spending, like a BSA increase or like defined benefit, it'd be good if those bills don't make it to him. But uh, you know, they may. I mean, political messaging may be in the House side and in the Senate side that they may want to push those forward. So that, anyway, that's what I'm going to be watching on the House side: whether those bills, how those bills are handled, whether they whether they come up. And then there's also on the House side, there's the, the House Ways and Means POMB 2575 bill. And that'll be before House Finance at some point. So I'll be looking for that as well. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, as always, we appreciate you coming on board. Thank you for, uh, thank you for being part of it today. Michael, thanks for having me. And I look forward to next week's discussion. All right, we'll see what it looks like. That Maybe it'll be just as messy as it could possibly be. We'll have to see. That'll make life more interesting. Thank you, Brad Keithley. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, all right, folks, uh, that's uh, it for hour one. Getting ready to move into hour two. Let me get uh, <clears throat> let me get uh, everything set back up here because I have to take some stuff down when I got Brad on. And uh, I guess I should turn the uh, I guess I should turn the phone lines on, huh? That's probably a good idea as well. We'll turn on the phone lines and see what uh, folks have to say out there in the world as well. Uh, in the chat room, Chris says, no YouTube today. Yeah, no, I got a <clears throat> I got a temporary ban on YouTube for our Firearms Friday show last year, where Dave or last week, where David Kodria mentioned um John Lott, Dr. John Lott's uh peer-reviewed study on the 2020 election results and some of the some of the stuff that uh uh was questionable. And that caused me to get a uh <clears throat> That caused me to get a, a ban, a temporary ban on YouTube. It's my, it's my strike one. Apparently, I had my warning. Now I've got my strike one. And if they take me all the way to strike three, then they take the whole channel down. And I don't know if they delete my Gmail account or what they do. But anyway, so we are not on. We are not on uh, um, uh, uh, YouTube today, and we're not going to be on YouTube for. I think the rest of the week, if I'm not, if I got to go back and look at the email, but I think it was for a week. I think they gave me a um, temporary ban. <clears throat> so we'll see. Uh, I'll have to double check that. Ironically enough, there's a whole thing in the email where it says, well, and you can appeal this. And so when I click the appeal button, it just goes to a broken page and broken link and says, sorry, but we don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I'm going to have to uh, do some things out. Good morning and welcome back. It is the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, we are uh, getting ready to uh, uh, crack things open for Hour 2. Now, normally in Hour 2, we would be joined by Chris Story, the man from Homer, who would come in and uh, and be visiting with us and doing his thing. But unfortunately, Chris is traveling today, so it's just going to be you and me talking about the news of the day and everything else let's um you know let's set the stage shall we welcome to the party pal the, the, the
Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. See, I feel much better now that I feel like we got a fresh start to hour two. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in and being part of it today. Uh, it is hour two. Coming up tomorrow on the program, working on uh, having uh, congressional candidate Nick Begich third on the program, and potentially some of the members of the House as well. I'm thinking we might have Ben Carpenter on uh, to discuss some of the uh, some of the things that Brad and I just went over here, including all this discussion on intent language uh, and the fiscal policy working group plan. Uh, so we'll have that discussion uh, hopefully tomorrow and Thursday. We'll be uh, reaching out and talking with people on that as well. Hour two today, as I just mentioned, Chris Story is not going to be with us today. He is traveling and unavailable, so it'll be just you and me hanging out, talking about the things that are important to us. And that could be the lawlessness of the legislature. I talked about that earlier with the 90-day session uh, 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 limit that was put in place by the voters in 2008, which has subsequently been ignored. Uh, In the last 14, 15 years that that uh, has been in place, the legislature has only hit the 90-day limit and finished their business by that point twice in 90 days. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, And uh, so we could talk about that kind of lawlessness and, of course, ignoring pretty much everything else that they've wanted to ignore, whether that's the statutory PFD uh, or not. And uh, we can have those discussions. We can also talk about kind of whatever you want to talk about this morning, as I am uh, ready, willing, and able to to move forward on that. Phone number to call is, of course, the Pivotel call-in lines at 433-3150-433. 3150. It's sponsored and powered by your friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. Want to say thank you to them for being part of the show today. Uh, let's go over to the phones and we'll get things started here. Uh, first things first, and we'll start off uh, with uh, this call over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Ron in North Pole. Hello, my friend. What's on your mind? Hey, good to see you this weekend, but. Uh, your uh, initial opening this morning and your opening for the second hour brought a question to my mind. Okay. And, and that is simply, how many degrees of association does one have to be removed not to be held accountable for the original statement? Right. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, you know, at what point? I, mean, yeah. let, 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 I went back and read the... Uh, reference on uh, what's left of Mr. Codrea's website, and then uh, noted that uh, you were danged for uh, even talking to him, and I'm wondering if because I listened, I'm going to get whacked too. Yeah, well, that's the question, exactly. You listened, they've traced your IP, and now they're going to freeze all your Google assets so that you can't use any of it. Um, I mean, it it really was, you know, it was kind of shocking because uh, in the full, you know, we had him on for, what, a full 40 minutes or something, 
And really, the mention of the election component of that discussion was really so brief. It was literally him just talking about how, you know, he was talking about Dr. Lott's um, um, peer-reviewed study and what it showed. And then we moved on. But just that brief one line, you know, that one minute out of 20 minutes or whatever it was that we talked about it, that was enough to... uh, to uh, cause the sensors to go crazy. And, uh, you know, it's not like I think it's got to be some kind of AI or, or, you know, algorithm that does it. But, yeah, that's my question. I mean, at what point, especially when it's not even the host who's discussing it. Um, You know, the first time I got my ding on YouTube, it was because we were talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. And uh, I never said anything other than I was quoting from various sources out there in the, you know, in the news media and from Twitter and other places, uh, sourced material. And I got dinged for that as well. So, and and there is no appeal process, Ron, you can't talk to a human being. You can't say, show me on this chart where I hurt your feelings and I will apologize for it. It is just, I mean, like I said, I, when I went to click on the thing that said, please appeal it, it went to a broken page that went nowhere. So I mean, you know, there is no there is no freedom in those things for sure. Absolutely, and I would I would classify the uh, the entire scenario as uh, as bone chilling because while it relates to a subject that uh, probably only a few people are terribly interested in at this point, it, it does show the depth to which some of these folks are willing to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, I didn't agree with Kodria. I didn't do anything else. It was other than just the discussion. And that's enough to chill the speech. And here's the thing. Even if the information was 100% inaccurate, I mean, let's just assume that everything he he was saying or everything that John Lott was saying or whatever was 100% incorrect. If that was the case, then, uh, you know, wouldn't the answer to that speech that you dislike or the speech that you find, wouldn't it be to refute that? Wouldn't it be, isn't the answer to bad speech or speech you disagree with or speech you think is false, shouldn't be the answer be more speech? I mean, that's my question. Yeah, where, where are the holes in the argument? Right. Well, and that that's the other thing. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Please. No, I was just going to say, Robbie Sove, who's a friend of mine, he works for Reason Magazine. Um, he, his channel, one of, he, he does a thing on YouTube for The Hill and he was not even agreeing with what some of the commentary was on the twentieth, uh, on the uh, twenty twenty elections. He was in fact saying that he thought these people were wrong, but he was showing their tweets or showing their clips or talking about it. And he was saying well, what, that what they were saying was not true. And he got dinged for the same thing, just because he brought, even though well, he was trying they- to dispute it, you know, kind of thing. It's just it's in, it's insanity. Yeah, well, as I say, perhaps the uh, perhaps the very reference to the material is uh, is so sensitive to some that they can't handle anybody presenting it. Well, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I mean, somebody has put some kind of uh, somebody has put some kind of a little kill switch in there that says anytime you talk about something like that is a time to get uh, is time to get the smackdown in automa- It's like the auto smackdown. You don't even have to do it. So, all right. Well, thank you, Ron. All thank- right, I just thought to. Hey, thank you. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it and being part of it today. And, you know, that's troubling. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, move to rumble, move to truth, move to this or move to that. And I will. Don't get me wrong. But the problem is, is that, you know, when I'm talking to people on, let me just use for an example, 
Rumble, uh, which is a great platform. I've watched it. I've looked at it. I've seen it. But the problem here is that, again, you're preaching to the choir. It is an echo chamber. It is an echo chamber of people who all hold the same views. And while I appreciate talking to people who hold the same views that I do, the whole point of this show is to get everyone to think, whether they agree with me or not. And in fact, sometimes I enjoy talking to people who disagree with me more than anything else because I want to see what their argument is. I want to see what their point of view is. I want to, you know, I want to try and convince them in my point of view. That's why I have never abandoned, um, you know, Facebook or YouTube or any of the more mainstream platforms because I still think there's a possibility of even changing one mind. It makes it worth it. But it is very frustrating when you're talking about things. Um, and, uh, and like I said, even if you are a dissenting viewpoint on the topic, even if you are trying to poke holes in the argument, just bringing the topic up is enough to silence you is very troubling. Now, again, at the same moment as a libertarian, I fully believe that YouTube, Google as a private company should be able to do what they're, what they're able to do. I mean, it's their, it's their platform that can do it. But once it becomes the de facto town square, it becomes very troubling to see that kind of stuff happen. Very troubling indeed. So anyway, uh, we'll be continuing to expand the bubble, so to speak, of, uh, of, of broadcasting. Um, you know, we'll get back on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, and then we'll, I'll probably expand to another platform as well. So we'll be, you know, the, the ideal thing is to be able to broadcast on all the platforms at once. And so that way you're hitting the people who are in your echo chamber and those who aren't. And, and that's the thing that, I guess that's the thing that scares me. Why are people so afraid of ideas that they don't agree with? I mean, I'm not. If you wanted to come to me with the idea that, uh, you know, the government should take care of us from cradle to grave and, and uh, you know, that everything, that we should just turn all our money over to them and they should be able to decide how we spend it on everything. I mean, I'm more than welcome that opinion for discussion, but just be prepared to defend it, right? I mean, that should be the, that should be the thing. I'm not afraid of ideas that are adversarial to my own. I just want to have the ability to rebut or discuss or dispute or even argue over it. But it seems like in this day and age, we can't even have that. We can't even have that it's like they're trying more than anything else to even stop the argument before it starts. They're trying to stop the discussion on viewpoints that they, they being the powers that be at many of these large tech companies, are afraid of having. They are afraid of the topics. And to me, that shows, first of all, former, you know, it shows me a, a, I mean, a lack of character. Because if you can't stand behind your own philosophy, if you can't defend it against other, it shows, it shows an inherent weakness in the philosophy to begin with. Where is the, you know, where is the Socratic method of logic, rhetoric, and reason? Rhetoric is the third leg of that stool. Rhetoric, the ability to uh, exhort and to argue and to debate on a topic. That's how you do it. You know, that is, I mean, really the scientific method is to take something and ridicule it and question it to the point of where you can't do that anymore. 
This is the same thing we're seeing in the sciences today. You know, the sciences of whether it's epidemiology or healthcare or whatever, nobody wants to take a take a, a attack against the prevalent theory because you'll be ridiculed and mocked. And wait a second, isn't that what science is supposed to be? Aren't we supposed to look at these things? Aren't we supposed to digest them and pick them apart and make those arguments stronger for having faced those adversarial conversations? But in today's society, the answer is just shut them off. If you don't agree with it, you don't like it, just shut them off. Uh, you don't like Facebook, just get off of Facebook and go on to, I don't know, MeWe or whoever, whatever, some other platform. Just go somewhere else. Well, then I'm just talking to people that agree with me. And again, as much as I enjoy that, that doesn't further the conversation. That doesn't stimulate us intellectually. That doesn't force us to sharpen our arguments. You know, it's iron sharpens iron, right? It's not iron versus cotton that makes the blade sharper. It's not iron versus dirt that makes the... It is the iron versus iron. We have to be able to make these arguments and be able to you know, point out and discover the flaws even in our own logic and and face those. But there is such I mean the but the but the fear of the cognitive dissonance is so bad or the or the want and the desire for our confirmation biases to be confirmed is so bad that nobody is willing to address those things. And again, it's gotten to the point to where the answer to speech you don't like is just to eliminate all speech that you don't agree with. And that is a slippery, slippery slope, my friends. I don't think that there's one that's, I mean, it's like greased with it. It's a 90 degree angle that's greased within an inch of its life. It's not a slippery slope. It is the evil side of Magic Mountain. You are plunging down. 433-3150-433-3150 is the phone number. If you want to jump on board with the Pivotel call-in lines, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to open line, open format for the rest of the hour. And maybe you want to call in and talk to me about this and tell me why you think I'm wrong. Maybe you think I should just go to wherever rumble the truth i guess is the new one yeah truth or me we or back page who knows whatever it is i'd love to hear what you have to say the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thing and radio We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, Looks like we, uh, oh, we got to spurt a few calls here. I got three calls on hold, so we're going to go to them here in a hot second, get their names so that we can um, so that we can uh, figure out where they're calling from and who they are um, let's uh, let's go over there now in fact and do that to begin with so we can be ready to rejoin the radio good morning who's this where are you calling from 
Hey, Michael. It's Kevin McCabe. How are you? Hello, Kevin. I'm doing good. You hold the line, my friend. You'll be number one in the queue, okay? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back uh, Be right back to you. Let's go over here to number two. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Jeremy in Kazila. All right. Hold on, Jeremy. You'll be number two in the queue. Uh, and we will go over here to the third caller. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carlene and Kodiak. Hello, my dear. Hold on the line there. You will be number three, okay? We'll be right uh, Thank we'll be you. we'll be right back to you. So three on hold right now as we go through. Uh Michael, do not grow weary of freedom of speech. I'm not weary of it. I mean, that's the thing. I'm I'm not weary of it. I mean, if there's one thing that we cannot do is that we cannot stop the discussions of free speech and everything else. James said, censor him. He said, freedom. Yeah, I know. It's kind of hard, isn't it? It it kind of, it kind of, yeah. The perversity of human nature is always in rebellion against truth. Um, I mean, I would say that there is something to that. We are rebellious by nature to begin with. I agree with that. Absolutely agree, Mr. Duke. Civil dis- civil debate is a thing of the past. It's just sad and frustrating. We have not been, you know, we have not been, again, we've fallen away from the, the triumvirate of logic, rhetoric, and reason. You know, we can't logic things out. We can't, uh, you know, we, we can't reason these things out. And we definitely can't talk about them. Why, why is that not being discussed? Why is... I mean, every fact out there, um, every, you know, fact or things that are taken for granted, they should all be debated. That's what, you know, that's what makes arguments stronger is that when you, you know, bring it up against somebody and you, you know, you work it, you work it, you find the flaws in your own argument. That's how you grow stronger or you change your your thoughts and your viewpoints. Maybe you modify them because something has been pointed out to you that maybe you never considered before. And the fact that we can't even have those discussions because some arbitrary figure, person, or computer program has decided that for that we can't discuss that because it is incorrect or wrong. Is just astonishing. Um, all right. Humans uh, command to take control of emotions, not the Good morning, good morning, good morning. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so this is, this is the fight that we have to have. And, yes, I will still try and remain on Facebook and YouTube, and I will branch out. I will have to branch out now to, you know, uh, I don't know, what is this, Trulio, uh, Rumble, somebody sent me another one the other day, Live, no, Line, it's called, Line, it's a Facebook style, I mean, just, I'll find something that we can have some discussions on, but we we can't stop, you know, we can't stop, for sure. Um. <laughs> Randy doesn't want to join Rumble just because of the name. It says it sounds like a bunch of people arguing. He doesn't like me, we either. <laughs> sounds sounds juvenile. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, what are you going to name? You could only name what it, should you just name it Zap or something? I mean, you know, there's only so many names out there on the internet, and they're always coming up with something funny, right? 
Um, all right. Uh, we're uh, coming up against the uh, coming up against it here. We're going to rejoin. We got three lines on hold. Please like and share this video to get more people involved. Like and follow the show page. Uh, let's continue on the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Uh, don't forget to also check us out on the Common Sense Core, where you can become a member and help support the show and uh, get access to our private Facebook page and more. Here we go. Common Sense Radio in 54321. Let's do it. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Continuing our discussions, three lines on hold right now. We start off with uh, Kevin, uh, Representative Kevin McCabe, joining us uh, right now from the uh, own the holy town of Juno. Hello, my friend. What's on your mind today? Good morning, Michael. Yeah, we thought we were going to blow away last night. It was uh, significantly windy here in Juno. So. <laughs> Better today, but still a bit uh, a bit breezy. No hurricane. Well, I, yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, about what uh, you've been talking about, frankly, the subject, and get off the legislature for a little bit. And okay. I don't disagree with you that we need to be able to have a uh, uh, a discussion, logic, uh, debate, reason, all that kind of stuff. But the problem is, and I'm I'm right in the midst of it right now, as you probably have seen, is it too often degenerates when the people don't agree with your position or they don't want to agree with your position, they stoop to uh, personal attacks and uh, either ad hominem or else they shift to a straw man argument and you're left with no way to dialogue because they're keyboard warriors and it's not like we're talking back and forth face to face where we can see each other and you're sort of invested in the conversation. The only thing they're invested in is their keyboard, which they can leave at any time. So right. um, the issue is, especially on Facebook, um, and you've seen it on your show as well, is somebody will make a comment that's not germane or a personal attack and, and then they'll just leave, but their comment stays up there. Right. And and they won't defend their comment. So. I, I totally agree. I would love to have personal uh, contact and personal discussions, but people just want to put their own opinions out there. And then, uh, you know, it's it's the old adage, where do I go to debate him? Well, he's not around. Right. He left his comment or his video or his nasty message, and then he just left. And you end up having to leave yours, and and oftentimes you're – in, in the throes of an ad hominem attack. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know the solution to it, but it sure is uh, disheartening as a, uh, I guess I'm a politician now trying to talk to people on Facebook. Uh, yeah. I'm committed to doing that, but it's almost impossible. Well, and I guess I have a solution, Kevin, and it, maybe it doesn't work for everybody. Maybe not somebody like you who's a you know public servant that's supposed to, you know, engage and do those things like that. But my first answer to that is always, uh, whenever I have faced that, because I have faced the ad hominem and the and the straw man argument uh, in the past, is that's the first thing I call out because their their argument may be there and they may lay it out and walk away, 
Uh, so all I can do is say, well, hey, nice straw man, you know, nice straw man argument if it works for you, or nice ad hominem attack instead of addressing the issue, and then I walk away if that's what it is. But my first rule is is right. that I just I don't engage. You won't find me on Facebook, and I could be I could be arguing with a lot of people on Facebook, but I've just discovered again it's like the wrestling with a pig, you know. Uh, you know, right. nobody wins. Everybody ends up covered in pig crap. And then you feel, finally realize at the end is that the pig likes it. He enjoys it, you know? Yeah. And so I just, <clears throat> you know, I find that the only way that you can really have a substantive discussion is in a quasi face to face, whether that's over a telephone or it has to be live. It has to be, you know, in person, in real, there there can be some discussions back and forth, you know, in certain venues and sometimes Facebook it can can do that. But for the most part, the most success that you'll ever have in that is in a one-on-one face-to-face or, you know, over the phone or where you can, like you said, you can see their reaction, you can see their, what they're thinking, you can see those kind of things and you can work it. But both sides have to be willing to listen and hear each other out. And that's part of the other problem is, there are certain people that you're never going to convince one way or the other that either you are right or they are wrong or that there are shades of gray in the middle between the two of you. Um, it's just it's in it's an impossibility at that point. Right. No, I totally agree. And and oftentimes people don't understand, but I find, especially recently in the last week, they don't want to understand. They're attacking you um for one piece of behavior because they didn't like something else that you did. Um, so they're, they're trying to find anything they can do. Uh, you know, I went to the gun show this weekend in, in, on Big Lake, in Big Lake at the Lions Club there on my way by to go pick up my wife to take me to the airport. And there's flyers out saying that I'm a anti-Second Amendment guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, those who know me know nothing could right. be further from the truth. Right. And and it's just, it's so frustrating, the, the lies and the, and the, they just put it out there and, and then they walk away and you're like, well, where do I go to get my reputation back? You know? Yeah. Just, well, you know, so, you, you kind of have to wear so that. I think you have to kind of wear that as a badge of pride at some point. You know, there are going to be, and as a libertarian, trust me, uh, Kevin, I have felt that. You know how many times I've been told that I'm not a real libertarian because I don't believe in open borders, because I don't believe in the right to an abortion, because I don't believe I'm not a true libertarian for those reasons. And I'll take those and take them with pride because I said, no, you're right. I'm not a lockstep libertarian because I think each issue right. through on its own merit. And just because I do, right. I believe one thing on one, on one issue does not believe, does not mean that we are enemies on all issues. And if people can't see beyond right. that, they're two dimensional thinkers and that's it. Yeah, well, that's the, you know, part of the problem with the legislature down here is, and I mean, you touched on the abortion funding. If you vote for a budget that has any sort of funding that might possibly go or an amendment or anything else um, to uh, uh, murdering babies, then you're a pro-abortion guy. And and it's just not true. You know, I, I this, the single issue thing is really frustrating because some people, rightly so, are very, very anti-abortion, pro-life, as am I. But I also have to understand that there are 750-plus thousand people in Alaska that expect me to vote a certain way on the budget for their issue. Right. So how do I reconcile those two things? You know, And it's, it's so frustrating to be labeled um, by the haters uh, for something that you don't, uh, you know, 
and, and I, I guess I'm just uh, I'm whining a little bit, but I understand. I would love to be able to debate these people in an open forum, but they won't do it. They just right. won't engage. They would rather troll. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's already something on your on your site. I'm not looking at the comments, but I'm sure Harold's out there already talking about me. Oh, so, I'm sure. I'm sure. Look, away, Harold. let me uh, let me let me leave you, Kevin, with some words of solace and some words of wisdom that was told to me many many years ago. All right. Three words that changed my outlook on a lot of things that gave me comfort and allowed me to face the day with a whole new sense of purpose. You ready for it? Here it is. You may want to write this down. Here it is. Haters gonna hate. That's what they do. I knew that was coming. (laughs) Haters gonna hate. And that's just how it is. Some people are just angry and they will point their anger in whatever direction that they can, even if it means circling the wagons and blasting at their companions because they're angry. That's what it is. So there you go. Yep. And they're the first ones to say that the Republican Party is dead because we um, we can't get anything accomplished. Ex- and, and then when you try to accomplish something, they shoot you in the back. Exactly. That's that's just how it rolls, my friend. All right, Kevin, thank you for your call. I appreciate it, sir. Let's go over to Jeremy and Kasiloff. Jeremy, what's on your mind? Well, that's life, ain't it? That is life, Michael my friend. Dukes, I mean... I mean, you roll through life, and what do you get? Maybe a knife in the back if you're not that lucky. But, you know, karma does play a lot of roles in these games because usually, like, uh, something ends up bad happening to someone that had nothing to do with another event like years before right well does that make sense oh yeah absolutely look absolutely i mean the other the other philosopher that always told me the one thing that i believed is that life is pain whoever tells you something whoever tells you something different is selling something life is full of pain and joy but it's there Life being a legislator with all these lobbyists with millions of dollars in their pocket lurking our state capital, you know, because they're like lurking the halls, right? That's what all these lobbyists and their uh, special interests do, right? Right. They, They lurk the halls. Sure. Of our state congress. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how they get away with this crap. Well, we got to, you know, we got to acknowledge that that's how things are going to roll and we've got to adapt and overcome and improvise to our best ability. Jeremy, thank you so much for your call. Let's go over to Carlene from Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. Um, yes, Michael. Yesterday, when I got through with all of my chores, I sat down and things just came to my mind about things that Kathy in Kenai talked about and Ray in North Pole, and of course there were the others, but it really made me do some thinking. And in a number of points, I realized I can agree with them, and it made me think about other examples and things. So I like that, uh, that... Rhetoric, that, that open forum. 
No, and, we yeah, we need like it because yeah, that's exactly right, Carlene. I mean, it sparks the imagination, even things we disagree with. It sparks the imagination. It allows us to think of things. And as I said, maybe somebody is seeing something that we are not even considering, looking at something, an issue or a philosophy from an angle that we have never, ever considered because of our own confirmation biases. And we don't even see it. And yeah. maybe that's what we need. Maybe it's not what we need to change our mind, but maybe it's what we need to even sharpen our argument further, right? Yes. And I'm growing to know these people. Over here, I'm not known. I'm afraid to say anything because people will take it and run with it. And they don't even know the entire story. And so I, I'm getting to know these people and I'm, I'm growing to really like them. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. You, yeah. And you know what, Carlene? We need to not be afraid. We need to not be afraid of what people think or what they say of what we, of what, you know, of what, what we're doing. You know, don't be afraid to say what you feel. And even if you're wrong, don't be afraid because just admit to them. And as I admit to people all the time, I'm wrong all the time. I make mistakes. I've had my arguments corrected. I have changed positions on things once I discovered, you know, more information on it. Don't be afraid to change. I think the problem is is that most people are are clinging so tightly to a specific belief or philosophy that they will not even entertain any other ideas or discussions on it, even though if they did, they their argument may become even better. They maybe they may even be able to point to say, look, this is why I was right, or make it better one way or the other. So don't uh, you know? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I like that. And my ex husband and my daughter straightened me out all the time, and I appreciate that. I don't want to go out in the community and put my foot in my mouth and go sure. around hurting people. Right. No. And you're right. Exactly. You don't want to, you know, but at the same time, you can't subsume yourself into other people's beliefs. You have to have your own belief and you have to be strong. And the only way you can be strong is to sharpen it, is to fight for it, is to believe in it and to find the flaws in it and to discover where you're right and where you're wrong and become better at it. It's called learning, as James says in the chat room. It's called learning. And that's what we need to do. Uh, Carlene, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Um, I have got... Whoops, I just accidentally killed a call. I apologize, caller. Um, we're going to, um, I'm going to take a break. I got to take a break. All four, uh, three of the four lines are open if you want to sound off. Now's the time to do it. The Michael Duke Show, one final segment coming up. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, logic, rhetoric, and reason. That's what we're here for. I'm back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Well, I accidentally just cut a caller off, so hopefully uh, hopefully they're not too mad at me here. We'll find out. I'm going to go to the calls here and get their names so that we can return to radio with them. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oops, they didn't hold on. All right, we'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Mike, this is Richard Best, City of Palmer. Hello, Big Richard. Councilman. All right. You want to hold on the line for Hello. a second? Are you are you with me? I am. Okay, hold on. Was it you were you the one that I just cut off accidentally? 
No. Okay, good. All right, well, hold on the line, Richard. I'll be right back to you here, and we will uh, we'll rejoin with you here in just a moment. Uh, let's go over to this caller and get their name so we can return to the radio. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael. It's Bull Fairbanks. Hello, Bull. Were you uh, the guy that I cut off here a second ago? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hold on. You're going to be actually first because I cut you off. So hold the line, Bull. You'll be first. Then we'll go to Richard and Palmer. And uh, we have a third call. So let's get their name and see where they're calling from, and we'll go with them. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Joanna from Fairbanks. Your subconscious must be acting on your finger, turning us off. Yeah, exactly, because I just can't take your arguments. That's why, Joanna, you're just too much for me. That's right, that's right. All right, well, hold hold the line, Joanna. I'll be right back to you here. Um, Yeah, I'm just, you know, you know how it is. Uh, Joanna from Fairbanks. Okay, so three lines on hold, and we're going to be back to them here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Let me go back to the chat room here in just a moment here and see what's uh, going on inconceivable you keep using that word heather i don't think it means what you think it means uh rob says he always loves a good princess bride quote hey some of the best quotes in life come from the princess bride uh jimmy says wait i thought the life was a box of chocolates well it is life is pain anybody who says anything else is trying to sell you something and maybe it's a box of chocolates and you know what maybe that chocolate that box of chocolates has white chocolate in it which by the way is not chocolate. I just want to point that out. So life really is a box of chocolate, but sometimes it's white chocolate, you know? And that's just not, that's just not good eats. That's just not, that's how life is. Sometimes that's, that's what it's all about. Um, all right. Learn to, learn to apologize and keep that ego in check. We're all far from perfect. Absolutely. We all, you know, you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're rotten, right? So I'm never done cooking. I'm never done baking. I'll always need just a little bit more time in the oven before I come out to be perfect. Anybody who says anything different is lying. If you are not learning, if you're not growing, then you are dying. And that's why we should always have, that's why the answer to speech you disagree with is more speech. That's what it should be. Um, going backwards here. Uh, do they even have a debate club in schools anymore? I remember I used to have the Bay Club everywhere. Yeah, they don't really. I don't know if they still have debate in schools anymore. I went. I attended debate when I was in high school. Um, I took positions that I disagreed with just to be able to pick it apart. I mean, that's a. You know, that's you're right. Maybe that should be part of the requirement is that everybody should have to take a debate class. You know, they always talk about the whatever they call them, special snowflakes or whatever, who can't deal with what maybe it's maybe they should be putting all those people in a debate class and force them to take up issues that they disagree with and have to debate them like you're here to represent the, you know, whatever the issue is that you disagree with. But you're the one that's got to argue for it. I always learned more in those situations than ever before. And quite honestly, I always came out of it more convinced that my original belief was correct. Even when I won. Even when I won. That's what it's out. 
So peer-reviewed studies now get you banned even if mentioned. Yep, pretty much. If you went back and listened to the uh, Friday show, which, well, dang, it wasn't on Facebook, was it? That's right. It wasn't on Facebook. It was only on YouTube. So now they pulled the whole thing down. Well, you'll have to go back and listen to it on the podcast and uh, and take a look at it there. The podcast is still available on Spotify or TuneIn Radio or iTunes or wherever you find the podcast, CastBox, Stitcher. Uh, but you can't view it anymore because it was that was the day that Facebook would not take the show, and YouTube is now has now deleted that video. See, it's hard to debate through texting, says Jack, and I think that's what Kevin was alluding to. It's hard to have a conversation with somebody in 148 characters where you're sniping back and forth at each other. I mean, you got to think, this is really the genius of the Founding Fathers. Remember, the genius of the Founding Fathers was that they were debating each other through pamphlets and letters printed in the newspaper. It's a pretty brilliant thing. Of course, those were all long form. There was no 148-character limit on it. But uh, they were really geniuses at that. But it's always easier to have those discussions face-to-face, in my opinion. All right, coming up to it. Uh, The final segment, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free-Thinking, yada, yada, yada. All right. That means we're back. Final segment of the show this morning. Ready to rock and roll. Let's go over to the phones now. Folks have been holding on, including some folks that I uh, accidentally dropped their call on. So we're going to start with them first because uh, that was my bad. Let's go over to Bull in Fairbanks. Bull, what's on your mind? Hey, how you doing today, Michael? Good, sir. Uh, I, I, I've said this before. Um, say it again. It doesn't do much good. If you want to control the country, two things you need. You need to be able to indoctrinate the children, and you need to control the media. The Marxists have been indoctrinating the children for 50 years. They've got that to fruition. Now they control the media. We all watched what happened in the election, and it was very simple. And the courts knew what was going on, but they were not going to do anything about it because they knew the country would burn. The forces to be proved for a whole summer they would burn cities, and all the people that did it walked. As soon as people realized what happened with the election, went to D.C. and made any kind of problems, they're locking everybody up and making an example. And it's working. They got people scared. Right. And they control the media, and they're not going to give it up. The government's not going to do anything about it. People have to realize the ballot box is dead. The same thing's going to happen this summer, and the election this fall is going to be different than a lot of people expect. People need to start talking to their neighbors and friends, stay off the computer, stay off the phones, talk in person. Because everything else is monitored. You know it and I know it. And they're not going to give up on their censoring on the media. It works. All right. So I just hope people see it and do something with it before it's too late. 
You have a good day, Michael. Thank you, Bull. Appreciate your call. Joanne, also in Fairbanks, uh, killed her call, too. Good morning, Joanne. What's on your mind? Good morning. Um, people have said it before, and, well, it's said often, and it's often forgot. But when you're talking on Facebook or other social media to those silent, you know, those post-and-run people that all they have to do is hate and complain and whatever, you're not responding to them. You're responding to the people who are reading and not speaking, not commenting. They're looking for answers themselves. They're halfway decided. They don't know how to think about it. They don't see the other side. Those are the people that you're commenting to when you respond to those silent, you know, those, those post and run people. Right. And it, and it works, you know, it gives them, it gives those people who don't want to comment because there's a lot of us a way to see it more clearly because they get, you get so much of that negative BS <laughs> that, right. that it, you start to believe it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's awful. And if you don't see the other side, if the other side doesn't put it out there, you, sometimes you just can't see it yourself. Right. Well, so that's who you're talking to when you respond. Well, right. And this is one of the reasons why I say we shouldn't abandon the mainstream platforms. You know, if we want to go do something alternatively, yeah. that's fine. Do it in addition to. Don't abandon the mainstream platforms. The few times that I have engaged in arguments on places like Facebook, and I, like I said, it's I, I, my habit is to not to. But there have been occasions where I've been drawn into things. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That's in my mind. I'm not trying to convince the person that I'm actually arguing with. I'm just trying to place a, co uh, you know, a cogent argument out there to rebut their point. That's all. So that other people can read it. Yep. Um, you do have to remember that. Yep. You're 100% right. Yep. That's it. All right, Joanne. Thank you for your call. I appreciate you calling in this morning. Let's go over here. That clears up all but one line. Richard is in Palmer. Richard, what's on your mind, sir? Hey, this is Richard Best, Palmer City Councilman. Um, we're out here in Palmer, and we've got uh, you know a lot of contention going on. And oh, yeah. You're, you're discussion today is very germane um also with my time down in the legislature working for rep carpenter he's been saying for four years we all have to get comfortable disagreeing with each other it's okay you know he was involved in like site selection committees um before he got elected right and he was surprised that the the site selection committee they felt that they had to do it unanimously everything that they did they felt it had to be unanimous and if one person disagreed they worked that person in those discussions until that person finally either relented <laughs> or that they were all just comfortable agreeing to something and it's like you know what at a certain point everybody is not saying exactly what they want they're they're curtailing what they're what they really want because they don't want to offend everybody else and then we're all standing in a location that we don't know how we got to right no but if we were honest and be okay with disagreeing with people, we might be in a different place. I, so yeah. I encourage everybody, go, go out there and engage in conversation. Say what you think. Be wrong. I mean, I do it all the time, just like you. Um, you know, we, we say what we think we know and then give everybody the opportunity to tune us up and, you know, bring a better argument. Absolutely. 
No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that that is, uh, you know, that's 100% right. We, we, we should look for, you know, kind of a consensus, but you people should also not be afraid or forced into uh, a position where they, you know, where they, you know, through this peer pressure or whatever else. Um, I mean, I will make a decision. I mean, when I was on the assembly in Fairbanks, I mean, they could have called me Dr. No, because I pretty much voted no on most things because I didn't believe in them. Um, and I would make my impassioned plea. I would talk during, you know, whatever we were facing, you know, on, on, uh, the assembly people comments and everything. Uh, and sometimes I swayed people and sometimes I didn't, but I, I was true to who I was. And I think that's the most important thing. And as, you know, Carlene was saying, she was afraid to go out and talk to people because she didn't want to offend. She didn't want to, you know, there's a time when we just have, you have to take a stand on what you believe. Now there are certain, you know, obviously you're going to pick your battles sometimes, some things that mean less to you are, are not as important, but you can't you can't uh, compromise who you are as a, at your core. You know who your core you know what your core principles are. So uh, you know you you've got to do it. Yeah. Some of the sorry about that. Some of the best relationships that I have are people that, politically speaking, we are on complete polar opposites, but we respect each other and allow the. I, I get safe space, you know, for a lack right. of a better term. Right. Um, the, the ability to to just sling it, to go out there and, you know, uh, there's things that, that, uh, that they can push up on me on to try to get me to change position. I'm not going to go willingly. You know, you're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming sometimes, but I'm going to challenge everything that you bring. Right. And make it stand up on its own merits and be okay when we disagree. And uh, sometimes I'm going to call you, you know, crazy. Right. Well, that's the thing. We've lost the ability. We've lost the ability to agree to disagree. Right. I mean, and and still be civil, you know, still be civil. I've worked with people in the past who I philosophically disagreed with. We've had arguments. We've done this. We've done that. And then when it was all said and done, you know, we go out and we have dinner. We have a beer together. I mean, and I'm still okay with that. I still like them as a person. I just disagree with them. At what point did our philosophies or our beliefs become everything that we that we are we can't find common ground with anybody because they believe a certain way on one certain issue i mean when did that when did that become acceptable my my truth all of a sudden my truth became the absolute and i have to burn and destroy yours exactly exactly i I, I don't get with that yeah i agree with you richard i agree totally Thank you for calling in. Uh, we got time for one more quick call. Let's go over here. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff from Homer. Jeff, quickly. Hey, I was uh, probably a month subject you guys are on, but uh, I was thinking about the ranked choice voting there. In last I knew, you can write in people. Mm-hmm. So why can't we just vote for the guy we want or gal? Excuse me. Don't want to get anybody mad. And uh, write in, you know, Mickey Mouse and Superman and everybody else. <laughs> Well, the, yeah, now see, now the write in candidates have to be approved ahead of time, Jeff. That's the thing. They can't just be spur of the moment write ins. Now they've got to be approved by the Division of Elections before you can write them in. All right, we're out of time. Thank you for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Be kind to one another, love one another, live well. Well, 
That was not the direction that I expected the show to go today, but sometimes those are the best shows. Right? That's uh, that's how it works sometimes. All right, my friends. I wasn't on YouTube because I've got a temporary ban on YouTube. Damien, they banned me for having David Codry on. <laughs> I, mean, just, I can't even, you can't make this stuff up. All right, we got to go. Thank you for being part of it. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show